Thank you to the one source, the living God, that is all love, light, wisdom, courage, and compassion. The beloved God that created all of existence. I recognize that I, as well as all my brothers and sisters have this human experience, are the beloved children of God. Thank you, God. I know this message will race across the world this day. And it will reach those who need to hear it. And it will give them hope. It will give them strength. It will give them faith. It will allow them to recognize you in every moment of every day. That as we become unaligned with you, for your plan is greater than our plan. We are going to do the most incredible things together. Thank you, God. Thank you for blessing me in this moment, in this life. Thank you for allowing me to speak this message from my heart and to give it everything I got. I now release this prayer into that of the universal law. I joyously let go. Thank you, God. Thank you, spirits. And thank you, angels. And so it is. Hello and welcome back to the final episode of the Warriors of Light podcast. I'm your host, White Wolf. And today's episode, God's Army. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for the final Warriors of Light podcast episode. Yeah, it's a little sad, it's a little heavy, but it's okay. We're in the season of changes, and everything has to change. That being said, this is going to be an extremely awesome and just mind-blowing episode, so you're in for quite the treat. Before we get into all the good nitty-gritty stuff, we got to cover some fundamental information first. Let us talk about the four noble truths real quick. The first noble truth life has pain and suffering pain being that which teaches us a lesson suffering being the unnecessary pain we cause ourselves from not learning the lesson the first time most things most pains most suffering that we ever experience the pain is usually extremely minimum when we catch it early it's usually so minimum we don't even notice it we're so attuned, or I should say unattuned, to our own energy and the energy of our environment. And so the pain has to grow and get worse and get worse and get worse. And then we get to a point where we're just in a tornado of suffering and we're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? How did we get to this point? Ah, we got to this point from not learning the lesson first time or the second time or the third time and yeah it just continues to grow the second noble truth suffering comes from the seeds of ignorance greed and hatred 
ignorance being a lack of knowledge greed being intense and selfish desire hatred being intense ill will all of these turned into great and giant plants that combine with each other to form even more types of toxicity plants there when we talk about negative energy it combines with each other these plants these seeds usually start off small in the forms of like anger and small confusion and things of that nature they grow into things of jealousy into not even just not just hatred but violence just pure catastrophes okay and so we gotta keep an eye out for not allowing these seeds to grow the third noble truth there is a way to stop suffering the fourth noble truth the way to stop suffering is the eightfold path all right and now we're not gonna get into the eightfold path quite yet we're gonna go ahead and pivot a little bit it's very important that we understand the first three noble truths at this moment because like white wolf keeps saying everything's energy we're energy the world's energy yeah there's certain rules that govern this plane of reality things that cause us karma when we put ill will into the world we put negative energy into the world it comes right back at us and it hits us harder but the same thing we put love into the world we put good vibes into the world it comes back and hits us harder too except in a good way and we're just like oh yeah so that being said we'll go ahead and get into our first story today we tell the story of Balao. once upon a time in a far-off village in the desert there lived a young boy his younger sister and his mother one day that young boy was happily playing in the backyard imagining himself to be a brave and valiant warrior he seen himself defeating many bad guys and saving many people his mother and sister playfully teased him and played along as they finished the laundry for the day what was a bright and beautiful day quickly became a dark and cloudy in the distance the family could hear the pounding of horses drawing ever steadily closer in haste the mother quickly took her children inside and tried to hide them behind their wooden closets she pleaded with her children to stay quiet and to hide but before they knew it the door flew open and all that filled the house was the yelling of men, the clanging of swords, and the crying of children. It was at that moment Bilal woke up, as though watching a never-changing movie, day in and day out. It was the start of a new day, and he was needed to fetch water for the master. Before he left, his sister handed him a beautiful gift. 
a chipped coin with love hoping her brother would get him something nice. The reality of Bilal and his sister was that they became slaves to the ruler of the land. In a strange world filled with false gods, hatred, ignorance, and greed. As Bilal returned from fetching water for the master, he found his sister being attacked by the master's son. He was preparing to shoot her with an arrow right through the forehead. Without hesitation, he stood in front of his younger sister, commanding the master's son to stop. Quickly, a scuffle unfolded, where in the end, Bilal gained the upper hand. Reeling back the bow and arrow, pointing directly at the young master's face, Bilal's sister calmed his heart. Dropping the bow and releasing the young master, one of the master's servants seen the scuffle and scolded the slaves. Returning back to their home, Bilal and his sister found comfort in each other's company. Later that night, the master called Bilal to his chambers. Dropping an apple on the ground, he told Bilal to pick it up. Nervous, Bilal did as he was told and instantly the master grabbed Bilal by the throat, slamming him on the ground and throwing him through furniture. The master, close to Bilal's face, asked, Whose apple is this? Bilal could only answer, Yours. Then the master asked, What is the difference between this apple and you. Bilal could only squeeze out, no difference. Angry, the master, <clears throat> angrily, the master said, and don't you forget it. He then called his guards to take Bilal out back and to have him whipped violently. Tired from the day and from the whipping, Bilal fell asleep in the courtyard. He had a dream of him and his mother together. His mother asked him what he wants to be when he grows up. He responded, when I grow up, I want to be a great warrior who can protect you and save many people in this land. His mother chuckling responded, <laughs> You will be a great warrior with a great voice. But remember, a sword and a horse cannot make you a great man. Confused, Bilal says, they can't? With compassion and love in her heart, she looks at her son's eyes. To be a great man, 
It means living without chains. Blau, looking confused and looking around, says, what chains? His mother, putting her hand on his heart, says, the ones you can't see, the ones in here. Inside me? Bilal stammers. Being a warrior won't make you a great man if you're chained to anger, vengeance, fear, superstition, and many, many others. To be a great man, you have to break free from all of them. His mother replied. But how do I do that? Bilal says, confused. I can't see inside myself. With a warm and caring smile, his mother replies, I can see, and I see the heart of a great man, Bilal. You'll find the way. Guidance will come. You'll see. No chains will hold you. No chains. Waking up with tears in his eyes, looking at the night sky, Bilal whispers, You're wrong, mother. I am a slave, and I will always be in chains. The next day, as Bilal was cleaning the horse stables, he was mesmerized by a beautiful white horse. He felt drawn to this horse and just wanted to sit upon it for only a moment. After many failed attempts, he remembered he had a little bit of food in his pocket. Slowly, he lured the horse towards a ladder. And after feeding the horse, he finally was able to sit upon his back. It was at that instant, the horse took off out the stables with Belai clinging tightly to his back. Just as Belai finally got a taste of freedom unlike anything he's known before. So too, just like that, Many years had passed by, years of growth, years of slavery. Now, a grown man who had grown in many ways, Bilal was once again returning the horse back to his stables for the day. Over the years, Bilal had made some new friends and allies some strong and skilled in the bow of marksmanship and in blacksmithing. As Bilal was on his way to see one of his friends, he seen a starving boy begging for money by the, one of the false god offerings. Desperate, tired, and hungry, the boy started reaching into the offering bowl preparing to steal just one small coin. 
right at the last minute before the coin had left the bowl, Bilal stopped the young boy, warning him of the punishment awaiting. The boy was so hungry, he could only muster tears from his loneliness and from his shame. Bilal then took a warm tortilla with stuffed veggies and gave it to the boy. The boy looked up at Bilal with gratitude and said thank you as he walked away. As Bilal started to walk off, he was spoken by a mysterious man. He was spoken to by a mysterious man. Confirming why Bilal was so generous to the boy, he asked him a series of questions. Bilal, confused, simply stated he just wanted to save the boy from a terrible beating. The mysterious man then says, Oh, so you care more for a beggar boy than an idol? Don't you believe the promises of the priest? Bilal taking a knee. My apologies, sir. I am just a slave and don't know any better. The mysterious man. Revealing himself. Don't you? Or do you? Bilal, now recognizing the man. That this is no mere priest but actually the Lord of Merchants. He relaxes and stands to talk with him. The Lord of Merchants asks, Did you think I was a priest? Is that why you were afraid? Balao asks, Sir, what do you know about fear? The Lord of Merchants responding, I have seen enough of it in the eyes of the people, enough to understand what makes slaves of the many. A woman is afraid she will bear a girl. She pays an offering and begs the idols to fix it. A rich man fears poverty and shares a little of his money to the gods and promises more if they help him stay wealthy. An old man fears death, so he pays to seek refuge in these gods, gods of greed, of injustice, with hope that all of their problems will go away. Surely this sacred structure was built so all mankind could stand together as equals and follow the one true creator. Bilal interjects, except for slaves. The Lord emerges response, no one is born a slave. You were free once, were you not? Bilal looking down at his hands. I was free once, a long time ago. Devils raided my village, 
destroyed my home and took me and my sister. My mother still talks to me through my dreams. Sir, all this talk of equality is wishful thinking. It holds no meaning to me. <clears throat> it holds no meaning to me. So save your speech for a man who can afford this, this thing you're selling. The Lord of merchants with compassion says, young man, life is more generous than you think. I am not here to sell anything. Bilal, <clears throat> Bilal says, it may be, sir, but not for slaves. My master is expecting me. I must go. The Lord of Merchants asking, Who do you serve and what is your name? Bilal, looking him in the eyes, says, I serve Master Umaya, and I am Bilal. The Lord of Merchants responds, Bilal, I saw greatness in the hand that saved that boy today. Remember, great men are those who have the will to choose their own destiny. Bilal returned to his duties, contemplating the words of the merchant. The next day, as the village folk were getting water from the well, one of the master's councilmen came with soldiers. He was yelling to the village folk, calling them sinners for using the town's well. He started having his soldiers whipping and beating all in the area, men, women, and children alike. Belai and others tried to stop the soldiers from beating the women and children, but were of no use. Suddenly, a great man on the back of a shimmering black horse rode right through the soldiers, stopping their brutality. It was a man known as the Lion, respected across many areas. He made it clear to all that these waters are for the use of everyone, free without payment, free of injustice. Later that day, Bilal confessed to his sister that he has been going to see the Lord of Merchants high in the hills, asking him many questions and learning many things. Most importantly, learning that his master is also a slave and learning what it truly means to be free. That only you can enslave yourself through your own chains. Bilal spent much time with the Lord of Merchants, learning of the one true God and learning how to break free of chains. As Bilal talked with his sister, 
the young master's servant was eavesdropping on their conversation. Later that night, Bilal was serving his master during a banquet. Tension was heavy in the air, for rumors of resistance was spreading. The master, now filled with anxiety, he was told by his son of rumors of Belai being the traitor. The master confronted Belai in front of everyone. Belai, summoning all his courage, dropped the tray he was holding and faced his master. Without flinching, he stated, We are all born equals. We breathe the same air. We bleed the same color. And when we die, we will be buried beneath the same soil. I believe I am as free a man as you are. At that moment, the room filled with laughter and taunts. However, the master was not amused. He had his soldiers take Bilal down to a dark food cellar to be bound and beaten. As the guards took Bilal, all he could hear was the voice of his mother saying, Being a great man begins with taking off your chains. For days they beat Bilal, making sure he had no food and no water. Every time telling him to renounce his claims. Day in and day out, non-stop beatings. All they tried to do was weaken and destroy his spirit. Through the hallucinations, Bilal remembered the words of the Lord of Merchants. Those who look within are awakened. When you are awakened, your story will race out of this desert across the world, where great men are tested. Prepare yourself, Bilal. To be a great man means living without chains. After an unknown amount of time, the master came to see Bilal. Bilal, barely alive and barely conscious, looked to his former master. His master saying, Bilal, you're braver than I thought. I take credit for that. Obviously, watching me over the years rubbed off on you. It took guts to stand up to me like that. But sadly, you still think like a slave. I'll get you back on track with a little secret. 
See, I never believed in these gods. No, no, no. I am not a fool. The truth is, we are both slaves below. The difference between us is that I worship whatever empowers me. You, you worship something that would destroy you. A free man would have sorted out this problem. In this situation, for example, a free man might offer to spy on his master's enemies. He might realize the advantage in doing that. Do you understand what I'm saying, Bella? Turning to his guards, the master says, "Get him some water." Turning back to Belal, should I take these chains off? What do you say, Belal? Belal, with the last remaining of his energy, says, "My chains are already off." The master, irritated, says, "Ha!" That's funny, Bilal, because I see them. Does your invisible god make other things invisible too? Bilal responding. I'm talking about the chains in here. The master, now angry, says, "Stop talking in riddles." Do you know how much trouble you're in? I can have you killed right now. Bilal, with his steadfast determination, says, "Doesn't matter what you do to me, and there's nothing you can give me. I am already free." The master, in spite, says, "What about your sister? Is she free too? So, are you going to consider my proposition or no? I'll give you two horses and provide both you and your sister a home." Belai remains silent. This is why you're a slave and I'm rich. You don't recognize when you've been given an opportunity. Too bad. Bilal responds, "Kill me." The master snickering, <laughs> "I'm not going to kill you. Yet you might still die." The doors to the dark cellar burst open. Light hitting Bilal for the first time in days are blinding. The guards undo Bilal's restraints and start dragging him towards the center square. Barely conscious, Bilal cannot resist the guards. As they bound him once again. To four stakes in the ground, 
one at each hand and one at each foot. The dark priest, mocking Bilal, asked, Who is it you're calling to now? Who is mightier than he, stronger than my gods of fear? The dark priest points to his false gods and tells Belai to repent and he will be set free. The dark priest calls upon his soldiers to carry a very, very big boulder. The soldiers carrying the boulder bring it over to Bilal and slowly and surely set it upon his chest and stomach. Meanwhile, the Lord of Merchants continues to haggle with the master over buying Bilal's freedom. As the boulder is crushing Bilal's organs and turning them to powder, the priest and young master whisper in his ear, Cry for forgiveness. Repent. You can end this. Accept us as your real masters and these idols as your true God, and all will be forgiven. So, Bilal, how many gods are there? Bilal, with the last of his life force, holds up one finger and says, One. Only one. Suddenly, the sky becomes dark and the wind becomes heavy. The dark priest shrivers, shrivels away in fear, but the young master persists. Bilal turns to the young master and says, I am already free. Unable to take no more, the young master pushes the boulder down harder on top of Bilal. Meanwhile, the Lord of Merchants doubles his offer for Bilal, a deal the master cannot refuse. With Bilal sold, the master commands the soldiers to remove the boulder and them to release his bounds his binds. The Lord of Merchants looks at Bilal and then back at the master and says, I would have given all I own for him. The master in disgust says, for a slave? The Lord of Merchants correcting him, no, for a brother. Bilal, lifted up by his comrades, looks at his sister. The Lord of Merchants looks at the master and says, I will pay the same price for her. The master, with his wicked smile, says, I'm sorry, I already sold her to my son. The young master, with a twisted grin, 
says, I will not sell her for all the treasure in the land. Guards, take her. Bilal, with the last of his consciousness, watches as his sister is dragged away. Many months pass and Bilal is finally healed and walking the streets as a free man. Word of Bilal's strength and defiance spread across the land in great haste, lifting the hearts and spirits of the people. Bilal and his allies know that the master would be taking action very soon to attempt to destroy them all. In order to prepare, they decide to leave the city and go to a far-off land to train, grow, and plan for the coming battles. Over the next 12 months, Bilal and his allies build many houses. They build houses for people to gather, to spread hope amongst one another to inspire the spirits of the people. Bilal gained the title of master and learned how to use his voice to speak of justice and equality. However, just as fast as they grew, the first battle approached and the first loss happened. In the land once home to Bilal, his sister, and his allies. The master and his army burned down the city. The people slaughtered and atrocities filling the air. On that night, Bilal rushed to the scene after receiving a message. A lone lock of hair. When Bilal arrived on the scene, it was worse than he even imagined. Bodies lay in the streets, fires burning the homes, death heavy in the air. Pushing his way Pushing his way through, he arrived to where the young master was waiting with his men. Though Bilal fought bravely, he was eventually pinned to the ground. Before the young master commanded his soldiers to kill Bilal, he tossed to him a bloodied chipped coin. The same coin his sister gave him so long ago. Bilal crushed felt his spirits weaken and preparing for death. Right as the soldiers were about to lay the killing blow, one of Bilal's greatest teachers, the lion, rode in and greatly defeated the surrounding soldiers. Quickly he retrieved Bilal and helped him escape the scene with a heart heavy and the bloody chip of his sister. 
Time passed, with the Allies spreading the word of equality, of the one God, of hope. Battles were won and were lost. Finally, after many months, in the ground, in the grand desert between the neighboring lands, held the grand battle that would determine the fate of all. The darkness led by the master in great numbers, five times the size of the forces of light led by the lion. Still, however, the light did not shudder. The darkness, in hopes of crushing their spirits, sent three of their best men to do battle with three of the forces of light in the, in the center stage for everyone to watch. As the men battled, it was quickly apparent that the forces of light overwhelmed them in strength, courage, and tenacity, defeating the darkest, the darkness smaller forces with ease. Angered and shaken, the master sent his men into battle, charging head-on. Through tactics, the help of allies dressed in white armor, and the pure heart of the men. The battle became that of legends. Brother versus brother, swords, shields, horses, spears, all clinging together in a harmony of sadness. Music no man wishes to hear. But valiantly, with heavy hearts, they fought on every man given it above and beyond his physical capabilities blood and guts painting the sands red the battle raged with sheer force of will as the numbers depleted Bilal finally found himself face to face with his old master both men knowing this was only going to end in one way. They charged at each other with their spirits screaming, I will not be defeated. As they faced off sword against sword, fist punching, legs kicking, the master stabbed through Bilal's shield, cutting him in the shoulder. With all of Bilal's might, he broke the master's sword, pushed him to the ground, grabbed the blade with his bare hands, and pierced the master through his heart. And just like that, everyone on the battlefield knew who had won. The allies returned from battle and celebrated their victory. However, at the same time, they could not help but feel the heaviness of pressure of the reality that this was not the end. Over many years and through many battles, 
many sacrifices, many hardships, the allies finally gained control of all the land. In his old age, Bilal came sword to back with the young master as he was writing his final words. At that moment, Bilal felt all the rage, all the anger from his whole childhood, from his sister being taken away and being killed. He felt all of it fill his heart in such uncontrollable rage. He raised his sword, prepared to lay the final blow, and finally pierced it right through the wooden table. Bilal, walking to face the master, face to face, asked him, Why did you kill her? The young master, looking deep in his eyes, said, Your answer is right outside the window. Confused, Bilal goes to the window and sees his sister sweeping the cobblestone. The young master opens his mouth and says, Your faith says, a man's judged by his actions. And what truer way to measure a man than through what he gives? So there she is, my single act of morality. Bilal, walking towards the door, stops and says, don't let it be your last. He then races outside, coming face to face with his sister, gives her the biggest, warmest hug, and they both start weeping in joy. The young master, knowing that he has finally come to an end, stands up and goes to the balcony. He watches as his empire has fallen. With the battles finally over, the allies of light, of equality, of God, now in power. Bilal walks to the head of his people looks to the sky and remembers his mother's voice. What do you want to be when you grow up, Bilal? He then opens his mouth and begins to sing the most beautiful prayer, reaching far and wide that all of the people in the land are able to rejoice in prayer. The end. To this day, 
Bilal is known for his deep resonant voice and was the first muezzin in history to call for prayer. I regale this story because inside this story has many important lessons. We look out to the world today and we see darkness. We see confusion. We see suffering. We are at time period where we have the most technological advancement and yet we use it for ignorance, greed, and hatred. My brothers and my sisters have this human experience. I know it's hard. Oh, trust, I know it's hard. Let me tell you about White Wolf. When I first got out the military, I tried working a number of different jobs. I did HVAC, I worked at GNC, and none of it worked out because I could feel the darkness. I could feel the corruption. I could feel that none of it made sense, that it was all about squeezing each and every individual for all of their worth. We see the generation, the younger generation now, confused, wondering what's going, going on. They hear all the time that they're lazy, that they're not working hard enough, that we have all these job openings and nobody working them. But here's the thing, 99% of these jobs are corrupted to a point that they will not progress individuals, they will not treat individuals with dignity and respect, they would not help individuals grow in meaningful ways. Most of these jobs nowadays do their very best to squeeze every bit of time and energy out of people. We allow all these entities to control us with different types of narratives. College, for example, let's not lie. We all, well, I shouldn't say all of us, a large amount of us now understand that college is not preparing individuals for the world. It's not preparing individuals on how to come out here and live, how to thrive, how to grow. And each generation has had their problems, their setbacks, things that they had to overcome. I know my parents and my grandparents, they face hardships that I wouldn't even understand nowadays. They didn't have the luxuries that we do. 
but with all these different luxuries, this technology, this knowledge that is out here, we have to be willing to make better decisions. It's no longer about working for a corporation or working for some entity for 60, 70, 80 years in order to get hopes of retirement. We see nowadays, we're moving so fast in our advancement. AI and robots, they're already changing the game. And very, very soon, they're gonna replace a large amount of workers. And those people who didn't develop any other skill than what they've been known to do, than knowing to go to work, come back, that that's how they found their purpose, their importance, their value. These companies, they're quick to cut people off and they don't even show the respect that people use, that people sacrificed. People sacrifice years and years and years of their lives for a lot of these entities to not even get a good job, to not even be shown any type of love or compassion to not even be shown a type of appreciation. We gotta stop and ask ourselves, what are we really doing? What are we working towards? What are we turning the world into? Right now, we see we're destroying our families at an exceptionally fast rate. Most fathers are not in their homes. And there's a pretty damn reason. There's a big reason why that's freaking happening. <sighs> Let me talk about my journey a little bit. I've always been a man to fight for my children each every chance I get when I first went through my divorce my partner put a restraining order on me saying I was abusive saying that I was incompetent I was addicted I was this that and the other all of this just so I could be with my children And I proved all of that wrong. All of it. I fought for my children. I showed that I loved them. And that no matter what, I would do whatever it takes to get them. But let me tell you, as a man, that's not good enough for a society. I had my partner literally try to frame me with a weapon they corrupted my child's mind so that we had to so i had to take her to see detectives and then she spewing 
a fabricated story that was nonsensical that even on the police report clearly they understand that someone manipulated her clearly when they went back to talk to the mother to talk to the people her friend who called it in clearly there was no evidence clearly when they said they had evidence and they went to go get the evidence they had no evidence all fabricated let me tell you when you're a man taking care of your children you start to notice all of these entities are run by certain types of individuals I'm talking the counseling I'm talking the child protective agencies I'm talking the schools I'm talking the courts all of them are ran by certain individuals who already have a certain narrative certain ideology that they try to push out and you as a man you stand up for your children every time and you show with your actions with your thoughts with your words with your behavior with your hearts with your character with every ounce of your being that no matter what you'll be there for your children that you'll take care of them that you love them that you will show them a world that is so amazing and incredible white wolf has been on a long journey you know i'm not perfect oh i am very far from perfect trust let me tell y'all shoot i made less than $12,000 this year and last year i got 50 50 custody of my children i get them every other week i have created a beautiful life a beautiful home for my kids that I hope that they'll appreciate because let me tell you every single entity will try to tear you down will try to say you're not doing good enough will try to say if you're not making X, Y, and Z amount of dollars, that is not enough. That the time you spent with your kids is not enough. And I'm talking in the real time. Taking them to the mountains, playing games with them, taking them to the park. I'm talking about the moments that matter when it's just you and your little family unit off on a wondrous adventure with God.
It's not easy. And I've made many mistakes. Oh, trust. I had problems with money for the longest time. I always had that notion that money was evil. And it took getting a financial education to really understand that money is a tool. A tool that can do more for me than I can do for it. That by respecting money and learning how to use it to grow my business, learning how to use it in ways that I'm able to save, spend for the important things first, tide, pay my bills, or at least as much as them as I can. Because, huh, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, why Wolf ain't pay all his bills? I got I got debt collectors calling me out the wazoo, bro. But the thing about it that I've always found the most important is that if I lose my house, it doesn't matter. I can get a new house. If I lose all my things, it doesn't matter. I'll get new things. What matters to me is being on this mission. Finding God. Really understanding who am I. Learning to break free of my chains. Because this is the thing, all my brothers and sisters. We are amazing. Human beings are amazing. We are divine. It's more important. What's more than what's more important than us? Our jobs will replace us in a heartbeat. What's more important than who we are? The things we can do, the things we can accomplish, the things we can learn and grow. We see our governments, whew, they're leading us in a very particular type of direction that is not looking very good when we have the technology to take care of each other to really make our needs and necessities invested protected and accessible to everybody it's just so there's so much more to all of us literally to all of us and I am beyond grateful for the life and the journey that God has put me on because through these hardships through this path God has shown me helped me guided me I walk with God every single day I serve God 
I serve the living God, the source of all creation. When I look out here and I see what we have done, humanity, to each other, it is illogical. And they need you to think in a certain type of way in fear and guilt, shame, lies, illusions, attachment. So that way you can't get connected to God. There is nothing God cannot do. You know, I've been finding this child support bell for a hot minute. I put in the paperwork like eight, ten months ago, went through the process. I showed that I only make so much money that I haven't been able to pay my house bill for quite some time. Granted, yes, I take full accountability on that. White Wolf had to do some learning and some growing and some developing. But it doesn't change the fact that I haven't paid my house bill in quite some time. And I show that my kids, I'm the only one with a home. I keep my kids from being homeless. It's on the school records. I am the primary residence. I show that I've tried to work with all these entities. I sent in all the receipts. I showed that I tried to work it out with the counselors. When it came to my daughter, Cause with my son, she was really nice and awesome. But when it comes to my daughter, they switch her counselor three different times. And then the last counselor, it just became a huge issue. Because people start coming after you when you're a man. I showed that I get my kids to school on time. Sometimes I'm late, but they're there at school. If they miss a day, I call it in. But I have to sign a piece of paper when another party member, the other parent, does it call in, does it take the kids to school, and then you're forced to sign an attendance accountability paperwork that you're just like, wow. I showed that I am running a business. And though I have a lot to learn, I've been running it for quite some time. I haven't made any money yet. And I thought that was kind of normal in the beginning. But I show I got my records. I'm showing the things I'm doing to build it up. 
Let me tell you, I just had the final court hearing over Zoom. I sent in all the paperwork. I le- Hold on, let me tell you, when you do the paperwork, you're you going to learn how court paperwork works. Because it is triplicate or quintuplicate. Because you got to send a copy to everybody. You got to have all the documentation. You got to do all the things. You have to have copies. And make sure if you send it to the court, it's not double-sided for anybody who has to go through the court system. I did all that. Did all the paperwork. Played all the rules and games. Just to modify the child support. Because... You know, I'm not paying. I ain't got it for my house right now. I got barely enough to organize myself to get my business up and running, to grow it, to keep developing it, to keep training myself, to keep growing. Because let me tell you, I bet it all on me. I bet it all on God, on my mission. And yes, I'm not perfect. And there's probably a lot of different ways to have gone about it, too. I definitely don't doubt that. But I did the best that I could that I knew how to do. And I trust that. But when the final court popped up, let me tell you how this goes. They completely discredit everything. They just discredit every single thing. The other party didn't even send paperwork. You're at least supposed to send in your financial statements and things of that nature. Nope, don't send shit. Didn't send none of that. Didn't send anything. And let me tell you, they blamed me. They looked at me like, sir, how dare you? I'm like, bruh, what? She just lied. Lied about different jobs. Lied about how much money. And I'm like, bro, I sent you everything. They will say that my business is fabricated, that I'm not working, that I'm not doing anything, that I'm just a lazy deadbeat, that why aren't you doing things for your, your children, sir? And bros, let me tell you, that's where you go in that place of Zen. And you just recognize that's how darkness works. They need to tear you down. They need you to lose faith and to lose hope. They need you to fight, scream, and yell. Let me tell you, man. I ain't gonna lie, it was a little bit of a bummer. It was a bummer. They completely rejected my request. And it hurt a little bit. It hurt. But it's okay. It is completely okay. Because the truth of the matter is the court systems are corrupted. The counseling systems are corrupted. There's a lot of different systems here that are corrupted. Why do you think as a father, why men are in children's lives, the amount of things you go through. And I say this because I live through it. I've been through it. I got receipts on everything I'm saying.
And here's the thing. I know a lot of people will just be like, oh, just pay your child support. Just do that. Let me tell you. I ain't doing that. I ain't falling. I ain't playing these games like that. There's certain things, you know, you stand for. You really show with your heart, with your mind, with your actions. For me to raise my kids, I should need to be involved in the curse that is child support and the never ending process that continuously raises and increases as you level yourself up. I have 50 50 custody in my kids, and I fought for my kids every step of the way. I'm the one providing a home for my kids. I got stuck with every bit of debt from my divorce. I've been torn down left and right. Every single time I go to court, they always say, you're not doing enough. You're not providing for your children. You're not doing X, Y, and Z. And that's just all fabricated lies. <laughs> I love my children and I know damn well I take good care of them. And I hope to encourage my brothers who might be going through a similar situation. Because when you get divorced, most likely you'll get stuck with some type of curse. Even if you have 50-50 custody of your kids. And if you don't have 50-50 custody of your kids, fight fight and fight because your kids need you just as much as they need their mother don't let any of that fabrication into your mind into your heart you are just as important both parties both parents are important in these kids lives You know, they just want a white wolf to go ahead and get a job. I know there'll be a lot of people who'll be like, why don't you just get a job, get a regular job, blah, blah, blah. You know, I already stated that. White wolf ain't going to the darkness, bro. Let me tell you, I know what I'm doing is important. Because we need to raise our frequency. Because the things going on are just not making sense and I'm not scared to stand and say that things are not making sense I'm not scared to stop what I'm doing White Wolf works from the moment he opens his eyes to the moment he closes his eyes bros and I do that with love and joy in my heart and I don't really care. I don't think I have to convince anybody. Because those who can see 
those who can watch my journey will know I have overcame every single type of addiction I would have classified. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't use the tobacco. I used to be a hardcore infantryman, bro. I was chewing tobacco with a freaking smoking a cigarette while it like <laughs> dude, you know, it gets wild. It gets it gets wild. This is crazy times. And now I'm just so grateful to learn how to meditate, to go deeper and deeper and deeper, to have over 5,000 years of human knowledge from the Shaolin arts, from the Egyptian time period, from many cultures all around the world, all about breaking free from our chains. And I live, breathe, in all my actions, in all my beings, everything I talk about. And I hope that can motivate other individuals. Because money does not bring happiness. How we manage ourselves do. How we live our lives do. How we walk this path with God does. That is what brings happiness. Not even other people. I've had a whole city, a whole city try to take me down. I've had fake friends, fake spiritual friends. I've had so many fake people around me. It's not even funny. And I don't mean that in any bad way. I just mean it by people who are chained in many different ways. Because when you're chained, he don't recognize it will hurt people hurt people and we dedicate yourself to being a force of light of love of liberation there ain't nothing that can stop you when you know in every ounce of your being that God is with you. There is nothing that will stop you. And that brings me to the next announcement and the conclusion. So, like White Wolf said, this is the final episode of the Warriors of Light podcast. And the reason that is, is because <laughs> I've finally broken free of all my chains. I am no longer scared. I am no longer full of guilt or shame. It's time things change. So this is the announcement. Moving forward. This next year is going to be the fight of our lives. And I don't mean physically fighting. 
I mean frequency, vibrational state. This is the year everything changes. By the end of 2024, we will be singing, we did it. And so, I gotta let y'all know, White Wolf is officially going on the move. It is time to raise and build God's army. An army of unconditional love that will change the world for all of mankind. (laughs) It's funny. I feel like, you know, lately White Wolf's been watching a bunch of stories. And it's interesting how people always ask themselves, people who have done great things always ask themselves, why me? Why have I been chosen for this mission? Because let me tell you, I am no different than anybody else. I am no more special. I am no more gifted. The only difference is I've chosen to listen to my heart. I've chosen to make the decision to follow God in every ounce of my being. I've chosen to purify myself in different ways, to do my best each and every day. I've chosen that I will not be quiet about the BS going on, about the darkness trying to take control, about the suffering we see expanding. I've chosen to say I had enough and I will not allow myself to be chained any longer. I've chosen to take action and to listen to what God has told me to do. This next year is going to be wild. It's time to step into a new role. I did not have the noodle dream. I love Kung Fu. And brothers, you cannot master Kung Fu in one lifetime. 
<laughs> and so, yeah. Because it's true. It's one thing to be a warrior. It's another thing to be a great man. A man who can fill the hearts of the people with hope, with courage, with love. And so, moving forward, we will no longer be the warriors of light. We are now officially becoming the soul society because I cannot do this alone. It is going to take as many of us who have broken free from our chains. This next year, we have a lot of work ahead of us. We are preparing for a very special, big, legendary battle. And it is going to take everything we've got to make it happen. It's going to take getting laughed at, getting ridiculed, getting beaten down. Maybe from your family, your friends, your neighbors, your whole freaking city, boy. Let me tell you, yeah, it's, it's okay. Because God is with us. And when you really find God, there ain't nothing that can stop you. There's no connection more important, more deep. Do not let the darkness of this world dampen your spirits. I am excited. And yeah, for my situation, with this whole child support and the courts, let me, I'm gonna be honest. I am not worried. I have faith. I trust my God. I trust my God with every ounce of my being. And though I might not know how this is going to work out, I know my story is going to travel across the world and inspire the hearts of many. For it is all of us that matter. And it is time we make this world beautiful for everybody. And I am not scared to say that. And I am damn grateful to work towards that goal. 
And I hope you tune in for the start of the Soul Society podcast documentary. Because we are about to record one of the greatest movies that humanity will ever see. So with love and light to all my brothers and sisters having this human experience. Let us all get stronger. Let us break free from our chains. Let us find and hold our faith in God every step of the way. Because let me tell you, if I can do it, I know you can do it. All right. Have a blessed day, week, month, everybody. And let's get ready to change the world.